but I'm going to start a new series today, and it's not going to be week after week. It's going to be over a number of different weeks in the lead up to Christmas. But did you realize that you've got the ability within yourself to locate yourself somewhere? You get to choose where you locate yourself, where you position yourself, and that you can position yourself in such a way that you can experience the richness that God has for you, whatever the season of life that you're in. Has anybody here been sort of getting sick of the, oh, this season that we're in right now? This season, oh, is this this season, we're not sure about when this season is going to end, and who wishes that this season would finish in a hurry? Right? Some people are like going, oh, we're sick of all of this different stuff that's happening around the world. We're sick of all of these things that are going on in the news and we're sick of all these things that are happening in politics and we're sick of this and we're sick of that. I'm just sick of this season right now. But did you realize that whatever season that you are in, you can choose to position yourself to experience the richness of God's fullness for your life? It's good. All right. Well, we're on a, a roll already. We better pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) All right, so we often find ourselves, though, in life where decisions are made for us. They're made for us. I mean, when we were younger, how many got to choose the clothes that you want to wear to church on the Sunday? I didn't get to choose. I honestly, I, I would wake up in the morning and magically there would be clothes that would be laid out on my bed for me to wear to church that day. It was all very smart and proper and that was chosen for me. You know, when I was a child, I didn't get to choose where I went to school. I, I, I went to school when my parents told me I had to go to school. I, I didn't get to choose whether or not I went to church. I went to church because my parents went to church. I didn't get to choose all these things. And we don't get to often make some of these decisions. We, we get positioned in school. We get positioned in church. We get positioned in the town that we are in. When we're younger, we live where our parents live, where they chose to live. So when we're young, we get, there's a lot of decisions that we don't get to make. Or, if you look at it differently, we don't have to make. They just get made for us. But as we get older, we get to make a lot more decisions for ourselves. We get to position ourselves where we work. We get to position ourselves where we go to study and where we go to university. We get to position ourselves in marriage and who we date and who we, who we see our lives with. We get position ourselves in a location. We get to choose which church that we go to. This is a really good one, by the way, just letting you know. <laughs> we choose and determine our position. And over the next few weeks, I want to look at how we can position ourselves in God's kingdom. Because despite what we know, and we often position ourselves outside of what God actually intended for us. All right, so I'm going to need some help to preach this here so it comes through to everybody else really well. Um, I'm going to need some encouragement from the room to draw this out because we're going somewhere this morning. But we often position ourselves in fear. We will position ourselves in doubt. We position ourselves in debt. We'll position ourselves in what's temporal and what's only for now, but position isn't just something that we've got to realize. It's not just something that somebody gives us a position, but a position is something where we locate ourselves. So I want to talk to us today about how we can locate ourselves. We can position ourselves to learn by being around people who are smarter than us. All right? So everybody hang around Rachel. 
She's way smarter. We can position ourselves for wisdom by surrounding ourselves with people who are wiser than us. This is why I like to hang around John Hare and, and Ian Hooper and Steve Hobbs. We like to hang around because we gain wisdom from learning from people who are wiser than us, who have been further than us, who have been before us. We position ourselves for promotion by working harder than everybody else in our workplace. If you're a boss or an employer, who are you going to give a promotion to or more responsibility to? The person who works harder or the person who slacks off? The person who works harder. So we can position ourselves for promotion by actually being that person who works harder. We get to say, we get a lot to say about our position. Now, some things, in all honesty, life's not fair and doesn't always work out. But if we don't position ourselves for opportunity, opportunity doesn't just come. We need to position ourselves. There's an old Chinese proverb that it says that if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. If you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. Now, I'm not quoting from the book of Chinese Proverbs this morning. We're not preaching out of that. We're going to preach out of the Bible. But over the next little while, I want to look at some soul positions. That's the title for this series. So if you're taking notes, write that right at the top of these next few weeks. Soul positions. How do we position our soul? Psalm 42 verse 1 says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, my God. I saw, if you check out my Instagram story this morning, I, I shared a, a little clip of a, a deer that was in church that got broke in through a window when the people came to come church on Sunday morning. There was a deer that was trying to get out and it was running up and down the stairs all over the balcony. It was trying to find a window. Check it out. It's very funny. But as the deer pants for the water, does our soul pant after God? Does our soul desire God? Can we, how do we, have we positioned our soul to be in God's presence? You know, we can position our soul for turmoil or we can position our soul for peace. We can position our soul for misery or we can position our soul for joy. I always reflect back to the story of Horatio Spafford. It's a great name. Lovely name. Fantastic. It's a strong name. Horatio Spafford. Sort of sounds regal. But Horatio was a businessman in the, in the 1800s and he was close friends with D.L. Moody. And, and, and used to support his ministry. But what happened in, in the 1800s, I think it was in the 1870s, there was the great Chicago fire. And he was an investor and he invested in many buildings and a lot of his investment got destroyed. And then a few years later, they were going on a holiday. They were going to go over to England to see D.L. Moody preach and to be a part of what was going on over there. And he sent his, he had some business to take care of. He had some things that he needed to fix. So he sent his family on ahead on a ship. And he had four beautiful daughters and his wife were on this boat. And then the boat had a tragedy and it capsized and it sunk and he lost all four of his daughters. And his wife sent a telegram home and said, everyone's lost but I am saved alone. So he caught, catches the boat over to England to meet with his wife and he knew this on the trip over. And on that trip was where he penned the great words to the hymn, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. How could you say that, Horatio? Everything, you just lost everything. You lost your business, you lost your family. How do you say it is well with my soul, even despite all of those circumstances? Because he positioned himself, his soul, in God's presence. He positioned himself in God's peace. 
We get to choose where we locate ourselves and what we surround ourselves with. And I want to look over the next few times at these soul positions. And the first one that we're going to look at is positioning yourself for joy. Who needs some joy in their life? Okay, look, I'm sorry, but just looking out here, you guys all need some joy. All right? We need some joy in our lives. We need some hope. We need some joy. We need to be excited. We need to shine. So the Holiday Inn was interviewing 5,000 candidates for 500 positions at one of their new hotels or their new chain, and they were in, in interviewing people, right? And the only way that you got past the first interview was if you smiled more than four times in the interview. They wanted people who were happy. They wanted people who were glad. And this applied not just to the people who were doing customer service, but to everybody. They wanted people to actually have an exuberance, to smile. So here's a tip for all of you young people looking for jobs. Smile in your interview. Don't look sad and despondent. Nehemiah chapter 8, let's read this passage of Scripture. It says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites were instructing the people to say to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not weep or mourn. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, after the people had repented for disobeying the law, this also coincided with the feast of trumpets and the people are instructed to rejoice. You know, rejoicing and having joy in your Christian journey and in your life is not just a good idea. It's a commandment. It's an instruction. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not weep. Do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 146, verse 5. And I hope you don't mind. We've got a lot of scripture to get through today. Psalm 146, verse 5. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. When we hope in the Lord, he is our help. He is our strength. We can be happy or joyful when we not just know who we are, but whose we are. We position ourselves in God's kingdom. Under submission to his rule, we can be happy. Happy isn't just a, a feeling or an emotion. It's a choice. Just like I talk about love in marriage. Love is a decision. It's a commitment. You have ups and downs, but we choose to love each other. Sorry, got sidetracked. I'm not sure if anyone agreed with me on that. All the people in Neil just agreed. I heard them. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15. For the despondent... Or the downcast, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. I don't know, I think I'd rather choose to be in the continual feast, amen? We are faced with decisions daily, either be despondent or have a happy heart. You know, we can be weighed down and bogged down with everything that's going on, every single problem, every single news report, every single thing, or we can choose to have a happy heart. Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart does good like medicine. You know, if you're feeling down, you're sick, you're anxious, get some joy. A merry, joyful heart is like medicine to your body. It is health and life to you, and a joyful outlook is infectious in the right way. I'd rather be that kind of contagious 
than any other kind of contagious. I'd rather be like people coming around me and going, gee, he's happy. Did you, who's ever met one of those really annoying, joyful people who just, <laughs> just don't get on board with whatever downcast depression that you're going through? They're just like, they're just happy all the time. And you're like, oh, can you just please stop, <laughs> right? No, but it's infectious, right? You get someone, okay, let, let's, let's do this. This is not in my notes, but we're going there. Say, for instance, you, 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 you're watching something on TV and then there's, there's a funny thing that happens and then there's another funny thing that happens and then another funny thing. And by the time you get to the fifth funny thing, you, you, even if it's not funny, you're, still, you, you're uncontrollably laughing. It's infectious and it builds up and it builds up. For us as a family, that's watching Have You Been Paying Attention on Monday nights on Channel 10. Um, it's just funny and then it's funny and we would sit around as a family on our family dinner night and we, we would watch this show and we would just laugh and then laugh and then laugh and then by the time you just can't stop yourself from laughing even if the thing's not even funny anymore. It's infectious. Laughter is infectious. Philippians 4 and verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say it, rejoice. Rejoice. Oh, I love that song. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, rejoice. Sorry, we could do a whole lot of rounds, but we're not going to do that. Whoever, do we used to do rounds here? I have not done rounds in church since I was in Townsville. So I was probably about 11 years old. We used to do it, all the men, all the ladies, everybody together, right out the back. And you'd have the baritones, rejoice in the Lord always. Sorry, it's going back. But today I've just got five really quick B-attitudes of a joyful existence. The B-attitudes of a joyful existence. And I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. Be helpful. Hey, this doesn't sound like fun, Pastor Andrew. <laughs> Be helpful. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18. Let them do good that they, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Did you realize that selfish people are often discontented? People who live just for themselves and what they can get out of something often live discontented because they live primarily for their own pleasures and material possessions which are not satisfying at all. But helpful people are happy people. They assist the poor, they visit the sick, they, they go and get on a soup kitchen, they come to the church and they just want to help, they want to do things. You know, they witness to the lost, but they experience the feeling of accomplishment. They've experienced the feeling like, I've actually done something here. I've actually made something work. Yeah. A fascinating study um, into the principle of the golden rule was conducted by Bernard Rimland, who was the director of the Institute for Child Behaviour Research. Right? Now, Rimland found that the happiest people are those who help others. Each person involved in the study was asked to list 10 people he knew best and to label them as happy or not happy. They were to go through the list again and label each one as selfish or unselfish, Using the following definition of selfishness, a stable tendency to devote one's time and resources to one's own interests and welfare, an unwillingness to inconvenience oneself for others. How often is that that we don't want to go out of our way for other people? You know, in categorizing all the results, Rimland found that all of the people who labeled happy were also labeled unselfish. He wrote that those whose activities are devoted to bringing themselves happiness are far less likely to be happy than those whose efforts are devoted to making others happy. Rimland concluded, do unto others as you would have them 
do unto you. You know, Dr. Robbie Sondreger also says the same thing in a lot of his classes, that if you are in a depression or an anxiety and you are feeling down, the best way to lift yourself out of that is to find someone who may be in a worse position than you and help them. Help them. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Second thing is we need to be adventurous. Hang on, where's this going, Pastor Andrew? First you told me to help people, now you're telling me to go on an adventure. Be adventurous. Be an adventurous. You know, I love a good adventure. I love going to a new place. I love hiking and climbing mountains. And I'm dreaming of being able to go back to Canada and be able to climb up, you know, we've done this before, but I love to climb up the big beehive above Lake Louise and, and sit there. It's just the most magical spot. But I love an adventure. I love paddleboarding on, on lakes that are almost frozen. Or if you fell in, you would not probably get back out again because you'd be like this. It's like... But we did that one time. We managed to go and, and we, we didn't realise. I mean, this is like summer still. And we get to this lake and, and it starts snowing. So we're like, well, let's go anyway. Let's have an adventurous spirit. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do this through Christ who gives him me strength. He gives us the strength to be able to be adventurous. We've got to have faith and courage. Now, many people are stuck and they don't have faith and courage, but they're bound in their feelings of inadequacy. What if I try this new thing, this new adventure, and it doesn't work? You know, we've got to be happy Christians who reach out, who see, who go and do. There is an adventure in our faith journey. And we've got to be bold in our Christian life. We've got to be bold. Christ gives us boldness. You know, what would it take for us to leave behind everything that is comfortable and step into a journey of faith? What would it take for us to leave behind everything that's comfortable and step into an adventure of faith? You know what Jesus said to 12 apostles? Come, follow me. He didn't provide the 23-step plan to how they were going to revolutionize the world. No, he just said, come, follow me. And these 12 guys, when Jesus said that, they went, righto, let's go. We're into this. We're up for an adventure. You know, being open, open to an adventure creates so much opportunities. All right. Number three, be positive. Be positive. Hey, I've got to tell everybody who's watching online or who's at Neil or down at the park is that these points are falling flat right now. They're like, people are going, hang on, Pastor Andrew's just telling me to be positive. He's telling me to be happy. He's telling me to be adventurous. I'm just saying that... I'm not sure where this is going, but I'm not sure I'm really happy about it. So be positive. Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any praise, think on these things. Philippians 4.18. What are you feeding yourself? What are we feeding ourselves? Are we feeding ourselves more of Facebook and YouTube and Instagram than we are of the Word of God? I know it's challenging, and yes, I've got my hand up too. But it, there's a time right now where we're actually just drawn to things that burn like a fire, like a moth, right? And our attention is focused towards the things that are meant to distract us from what God really wants to do in us. So whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
think about such things. Do you know that people with negative attitudes are spiritually stunted and unhappy? And their outreach is destined to failure. You should really get to know Jesus. It'll change your life. Changed mine. Am I right or am I right? There was no option there for wrong, but am I right or am I right? Being positive brings joy and success. We should practice looking for the good and encouraging others. Think about these things. How much time do we set aside to think about what is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? Let me give you a hint about one person who is wrapped up with all of those things and his name is Jesus. Fourth point, be purposeful. Be purposeful. The be attitudes. Be purposeful. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But you, men of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. What's our purpose? Are we just floating around on the wind? Or are we just waiting to see what's going to happen next? Are we just going to, have we got a plan for what we actually want to accomplish in our life? Or are we just going to go, oh, see what happens? Don't really, I just want to float. Might move to Nimbin. Sorry, I love all the people who live in Nimbin. But they're not watching right now. You know, life needs to be directed. Without purpose, our direction becomes dwarfed and depleted and it gets dissipated. We need to have direction. Christ brings meaning to our life. When we live for Him, it brings faith, love, and hope and the promise of eternal life. Jesus took these fishermen, these 12 smelly, um, riffraff, ragtag bunch of guys from different walks of life, and they were all of them were the guys that none of us would have picked. We would have looked for who's the smartest, who's the best speaker, who's, who's really good with, um, you know, with you know, building teams, and who's great at that. We would have picked those guys. But Jesus went and bought... Um, he went and just went, okay, that guy's despised, he's a tax collector, let's get him. Those, those smelly fishermen over there, let's get them. But he took them and he provided them with new life. He provided tax collectors with new direction, a doctor with a new life. He provides us with purpose. And finally, we need to be yielded. Be yielded, which means surrendered. We need to be surrendered. Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Dylan, would you mind coming to play the keys? Romans 13, 1, says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Ouch. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Gee, that one hurts right now for a lot of us. Be yielded. Be yielded. Matthew 26, 39. He went a little farther and fell on his face, praying, said, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus was submitted. Jesus was surrendered. Jesus was yielded to the Father's will. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Those who don't surrender their will to God's will are going to be dissatisfied. 
you're always going to be kicking against some kind of thing and you think that you're going to be like, oh, this life of Christ is restrictive. This life of Christ has got me boxed in. I can't do this or I can't do that. I can't. And you feel like if, if you don't submit, when you submit to God's will and God's leadership and God's desire for your life, then you end up going, gee, this is free. I can live in freedom now or I can live in, in, in restriction. Totally committed people are happy people. It's access to the infinite power of God. Their potential accomplishments are unlimited. You know, all of this starts with surrendering our life to the will of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we understand that we're not in control anymore. And this is the one thing that we will all fight for. And if you want to have a joyful existence, you need to stop fighting for control. We hand over control to Jesus. We hand over control to Him. We always want to control everything. I've got to control this thing in my life. I've got to control that thing in my life. But it's when we surrender control is when Jesus can really step in. You know, as much as we want to be and act like we are, when we surrender to God, He guides our steps. He gives us a new way to act, a new way to respond to things, a new way to live. I want us to ask Jesus today to come in and take control. So why don't we bow our heads? We're going to pray a prayer. For anybody who's watching, wherever you are right now, we're going to pray a prayer, accepting Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. So come on, why don't you pray this after me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my life and to give me a brand new start. I'm sorry for all of my mistakes. But today, Jesus, I bring them and I lay them at your feet. I also lay my selfish desires at the foot of your cross. I surrender. I give you control. Come and help me. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we give a round of applause to everybody, anywhere, who is accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior today. So there we have the five Beatitudes to a joyful existence. Help, adventure, positive, purpose, and yielded. Spells, happy. Five keys to a happy existence. Do you know there's an old man who once asked what robbed him of joy the most in his lifetime? The things that never happened. The things I was worried about that never happened. And they robbed me of my joy. You know we can position ourselves for joy or we can position ourselves for sorrow. It's up to you. And I want to finish with one final scripture. Come on, why don't we stand? I'm going to read this scripture. I just want to encourage you. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. It says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, I will yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God, my Savior. 
The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he enables me to tread on the heights. What does this actually mean? Pastor Andrew, I don't need to have deer's feet. I don't know what it means without the, the crops not happening and all this. What it basically means is that whatever season you are walking in, I will rejoice in the Lord. It's a decision. I will rejoice. If you lost your job, rejoice in the Lord. If you got sick, rejoice in the Lord. If you won the lotto, rejoice in the Lord. And then repent because you probably should have put your trust in God anyway. If you got married, rejoice in the Lord. If the kids are misbehaving, rejoice in the Lord. If there's things going wrong, rejoice in the Lord. Whatever season you're walking through, whatever's going wrong, whatever's going right, I will rejoice in the Lord. That's our declaration. We get to choose. So if you want to walk around being a miserable sad sack, that's okay. But as for me and my house, we will rejoice in the Lord. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what restrictions are in place, regardless of what this is happening and that's happening in the media, regardless of all of that nonsense, which is all a distraction from our own personal walk with Jesus and our relationship with Him because it just fills us with tension and fear, I will rejoice. I will rejoice. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for every single person who is within the sound of my voice. We thank you for them. And we pray that we would switch our eyes from what our problem is and put them on you today, that we will rejoice always. And again, we say, rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice in your presence. Rejoice in your love and your mercy and your kindness. We rejoice in who you are. You're the Lord of all, creator of everything. We rejoice in your presence. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. I want you to stretch forward your hands. I'm going to pray one more time as we close this service. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you, everybody. We love you. You are absolutely the best church in the history of the world. Amen. Amen.